Get Sleepy is a production of Slumber Studios and is made possible thanks to the generous support of our sponsors and premium members. If you'd like to listen ad-free and access weekly bonus episodes, extra long stories, and our entire back catalogue, you can try out Premium free for seven days by following the link in the episode notes. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. My name's Tom, and it's my pleasure to be your host. Tonight, we'll join Hercules once again, as he works his way through the Twelve Labors. Last month, we started off this series with an episode called Hercules and the Lion, in which our heroine successfully completed his first task, defeating the Lion of Nomea. And now, the king is about to give Hercules his next task. This time, he'll make his way to Lake Lerna, which is home to a strange serpentine creature, the Hydra, one of the most famous monsters in Greek mythology. It was written by Alexandra, and I'll be reading it to you. And although we've stayed true to our usual sleepy elements in these stories, we have also tried to maintain a lot of the original storyline. So, Though the characters and scenes are of course all fictional, this does mean that some of the descriptions of battle scenes, for example, may not be so appropriate for young children. Now we would love to have your support on Get Sleepy Premium. Get Sleepy Premium features over 650 full-length episodes. Everything is completely ad-free and there are loads of extra-long episodes to keep you company throughout the night. Every single Thursday, we release a brand new exclusive bonus episode. Tomorrow, we have a beautiful meditation focusing on self-esteem, which will be read by Vanessa. I'd love for you to join us for it. The first seven days of your premium subscription are free, and you can cancel any time. For more information on all of our plans, visit getsleepy.com support, or just follow the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for supporting what we do. Before we begin our story, let's take a few moments to get settled. Make sure you're comfortable in bed. Then, when you're ready, close your eyes and take a slow, deep breath in through your nose. Hold it for a moment. Then, let it out slowly through your mouth. On your next few breaths, just try squeezing your shoulders up towards your neck as you draw the air in, letting any tension in your body collect there. And then release the breath, allowing those shoulders to relax as you do. If it helps, you can visualize the tension 
that's brought into the shoulders as a wave of energy. And when you breathe out and let the shoulders relax, that wave of tension flows down through your whole body, all the way to the tips of your toes, where it flows out and disperses into thin air, leaving you relaxed. As you continue to breathe at this slow pace, allow your mind to empty. There's nothing you need to think about right now. If any thoughts appear, simply let them go. Gently guide your attention back to your breaths, and remind yourself that you'll fall asleep soon when you're ready. In the meantime, simply listen and relax. We're returning to ancient Greece, to the king's palace, which is where Hercules is staying while he completes his tasks. This is where our story begins. It was another beautiful morning. Hercules was sitting on the palace terrace with his eyes closed. He could feel the warmth of the Mediterranean sun on his skin, and he could hear birdsong as well as the soothing sound of ocean waves. When he opened his eyes, he could see that beautiful expanse of water in the distance, sparkling in the sunlight. The ocean was so calm and still, like a vast blue mirror. Hercules wanted to savour this moment of relaxation, eating his breakfast slowly and paying attention to every sensation. He knew that it was just a matter of time before he was back on the road again, heading to his next destination. But for now at least, it was still breakfast time. His cousin, the king, sat opposite, finishing off a plate of pancakes soaked in honey, and Hercules helped himself to a bunch of fresh black grapes, plucking them from the stem, one by one. As they ate, they resumed their conversation about Hercules' achievement the day before. Everyone was very impressed by Hercules, said the king. Impressed and grateful. In Nemea, people were holding feasts and celebrations in his honor and thanking the gods. Hercules had saved them. With the lion gone, they no longer lived in fear. Of course, said the king, 
the people were thankful to him too. After all, it was the king who had sent Hercules to Nemea in the first place. Nonetheless, Hercules was the hero. He had proven himself. Hercules smiled graciously, waiting for the king to continue. He knew that he was about to be given another task, the second of ten or twelve tasks in total. The king was buttering him up, so he would be more willing to accept the next assignment, whatever it was. But for a while, the men lapsed into comfortable silence. Perhaps the king was choosing his words. Or perhaps, like Hercules, he was simply enjoying this moment, at ease on the terrace, digesting his breakfast in the warmth of the morning sun. The king leaned back in his chair and closed his eyes. For a moment, it looked as though he was about to drift off. But then, with his eyes still closed, he spoke. Have you heard of the Hydra? Hercules laughed. Just as he had heard of the Lion of Nemea, he knew about the Hydra. And he'd been expecting this sooner or later. The Hydra was a monster, which lived in a lake not far from the king's palace. It was a fearsome, snake-like creature, with multiple heads and it was said to be invincible. But they had said the same about the lion, thought Hercules. So if he could defeat the lion, he could defeat the hydra too. There was always a way. Still, Hercules was in no hurry to begin his next task. He continued to pick at the grapes and asked the king to tell him more. For instance, although he knew the Hydra was somewhere close by, he wasn't sure exactly where to find it. The route was simple said the king. Just follow the coastal path west. Hercules would pass through a couple of towns, then reach a marshy area between the mountains and the sea. There, just beyond the pines, he would find Lake Lerna. Some said the waters were healing, but others said that the lake was perilous, an entrance to the underworld, which could be safely accessed only by the strongest and bravest of heroes. Hercules smiled when he heard this. There was no need to enter the lake, he said. He had no interest in swimming down to the underworld. All he had to do was battle the Hydra that lived in the water, and he could do that from land. But if he ended up in the lake, well, he was an excellent swimmer. With a raised eyebrow, 
the king remarked on Hercules' confidence. Other men trembled at the mere mention of the Hydra. Yet Hercules seemed unafraid. His cousin had always had extraordinary courage, the king reflected. Even as an infant, Hercules had been famous for his strength and bravery. In a battle with two enormous snakes, the eight-month-old Hercules had been the victor. And yet, said the king, he remembered the time they'd spent together as children, sometimes sharing a room. At night, the young Hercules had always wanted to keep an oil lamp burning. When it came to monsters, Hercules had always been fearless. But the boy had been afraid of the dark. How funny, said the king. Hercules was used to this gentle teasing. It had always been like this between them his older cousin wanting to feel superior and making fun of him. But it was usually good-natured, and Hercules understood that underneath it all there was probably a little bit of insecurity. The king was a king, but unlike Hercules, he wasn't divine. Both his parents were mortals. Secretly, perhaps the king wished he could be more like Hercules, the son of a god and a hero. So, thought Hercules, if the king wanted to tease him every now and then, so be it. The two cousins sat and talked for a while, reminiscing about childhood days in the palace. And when the conversation came to a natural end, the king turned towards the sun, which now sat higher in the bright blue sky. It was getting late, he said, they could sit here and talk all day, but Hercules had a job to do, his second task. He should get on his way and head to Lake Lerna. Very well, said Hercules with a sigh. He popped the last remaining grape in his mouth savoring the sweetness of the juice as it burst on his tongue. Half an hour later, Hercules was down in the stables, ready to set off on his next journey. He stroked the soft grey head of his beloved horse, Ianthe whispering to her that they were about to go on another adventure. Ianthe seemed to understand, letting out a loud huff. This was her way of saying she was ready. They were both well-fed and well-rested, ready to face the day. And soon, they were trotting along the coastal road. Just as the king had said, the path was easy. A straight line following the sea. The road was flat, and Ianthe moved smoothly, 
almost effortlessly. As he sat astride her, Hercules could relax, admiring the scenery and letting his mind wander. On his left was the sea, stretching out endlessly in the most beautiful shades of blue, from deepest sapphire to limpid turquoise. It was calm this morning, as there was only a slight gentle breeze. The waves seemed to creep onto the shore in slow, respectful movements, as if taking care not to disturb the sand. Perhaps that was a sign that Poseidon, the god of the ocean, was in a good mood. Hercules decided to take it as a positive omen. Although today, it wasn't Poseidon he needed on his side. Gazing at the sea, Hercules' thoughts turned to the other gods and goddesses. He knew that they had a tendency to intervene in the lives of mortals when they felt like it, and their influence wasn't always benign. The goddess Hera, for instance, was a cause for concern. She was the wife of the king of the gods, Zeus, who also happened to be Hercules' father. When Hera had discovered that her husband had had a child with another woman, a mortal woman, she had been furious. Of course, Hercules didn't deserve Hera's wrath, but that didn't matter. The goddess was not one to forgive and forget. Now that Hercules was in the middle of a quest, he realized that Hera might try to thwart him. In fact, he was surprised and relieved that she had not yet made an appearance. But there was always a chance she might suddenly appear out of thin air, as the gods tended to do. If Hercules had an enemy, he should also have an ally, a god or goddess who might come to his aid. Who could he ask for help? And then, as if by magic, his question was answered. To his right, by the side of the road, he caught sight of a small, humble shrine made of stone. It stood in the shade of an olive tree. After pulling on the reins and bringing Ianthe to an abrupt halt, Hercules dismounted and went to inspect the shrine. It was roughly made, little more than a pile of rocks, but the inscription was clear. The letters had been carved carefully, expressing devotion to Athena, the goddess of war and wisdom. Resting on top of the shrine, were a few faded flowers 
intertwined with leaves from the olive tree. Like the shrine itself, the offering was humble, but Hercules could see it had been placed there with love. The dried petals still had some of their color, standing out in shades of red and pink among the narrow green leaves. And they were all held together by a piece of string, neatly tied in a bow. Hercules smiled, wondering who had left the offering. He wished he had something to give, but he had brought nothing with him except for his weapons for the battle ahead. All he could give was his prayer. So Hercules knelt down in the dust facing the shrine and uttered a silent prayer to Athena. In his mind's eye, he pictured the goddess, tall and bright and shining, with her glittering helmet and spear. He prayed for her guidance and protection. Although he believed that he could win this fight alone, he knew that it wouldn't hurt to have a goddess on his side. And the goddess of war and battles, no less. When he faced the Hydra, hopefully he would have an ally to help him. Of course, there were no guarantees. He had no idea if Athena had heard his prayer, just as he had no idea what Hera might be plotting. The future was unknown. And yet, as Hercules got back on his horse, he felt a quiet surge of confidence. Somehow, he knew that someone out there was on his side. He could feel it, a warm energy in his chest. When he closed his eyes, he imagined a flame burning, like a sacred fire in a temple, strong and constant. Riding on, Hercules soon found himself approaching Lake Lerna. Just as the king had said, there was no mistaking it. To his right was a marshy, wooded area, and through the pine trees he caught a glimpse of green water. Hercules had decided to leave Ianthe in the shade of the trees, where she was safe. He stroked the horse's neck, and then walked on towards the lake. It was huge, so huge that the trees and mountains on the other side seemed hazy and impossibly far away. They hardly looked real. And then there was the water itself. Hercules had never seen such an unusual body of water. Vast and still, the color of jade. Part of him felt instinctively that the lake was dangerous, 
and that he should keep back. Yet at the same time, he was drawn towards it. He longed to step into it, to bathe in the cloudy green water. But why? Then, breathing in, he became aware of the fumes. It was a subtle scent, so faint that it might almost have been his imagination. But he was sure there was something in the air emanating from the lake. And just like the mysterious vapors in the oracle's sanctuary, it was affecting his mind and judgment. It might even be poisonous. Hercules took a cloth from his pack and wrapped it around his face, so his nose and mouth were covered. Then, preparing his bow and arrows, he advanced towards the lake. The hydra might emerge at any moment. For a minute, he simply stood there on the shore, gazing out across the green water. The surface was as still as glass, without so much as a ripple. Hercules stepped closer to the lake, then bent down to dip his fingers in the water. It was warmer than he expected, like a hot bath. Just as he was pondering what to do next, he noticed a movement in the water. Not the ripple that he had just created, but something bigger coming from the center. Hercules moved back and into position. He lit an arrow and loaded it, ready to shoot. And then, there it was. Rising from the middle of the lake were a multitude of snake heads, at least five or six. And as they rose higher and higher, Hercules saw that they were all joined to the same serpentine body. This was the Hydra. The monster hissed, flicking its tongues, and its long, scaly body began to undulate, moving through the water towards Hercules. At once, Hercules let the flaming arrow fly, then another, and another. The air above the lake was filled with streaks of fire, like countless comets. But although each one met its target, the heads and body of the Hydra, the arrows left no mark. By this point, the Hydra had reached the shore. As soon as it was close enough, Hercules took his sword and swung it at one of the monster's heads. To his relief, it went right through. Then he stepped back, preparing for his next move. But before he could strike again, 
he realized something, and for a moment he doubted his own eyes. There had been six heads, and he had taken one off. He had seen it. But now, instead of five, there were still six heads. As Hercules continued swinging his sword, he counted. There were six heads. He took one off again, then kept his eyes fixed on the spot. In just a few seconds, the head grew back, like some strange, fast-growing plant. Hercules was perplexed. If the Hydra's heads grew back, how could he defeat it? He began to retreat back to the safety of the trees. The Hydra moved more slowly on land, and its large body would get stuck between the tree trunks, which stood close together. There, sheltered by the pines, Hercules closed his eyes. With dazzling clarity, an image appeared in his mind, the stump of a tree trunk burning in the darkness. The tree had been cut down, and all that remained was the severed trunk, burning like a candle. When Hercules opened his eyes, For a moment, he could still see the bright orange flames dancing before him, and he felt sure that this was no ordinary spark of inspiration. It was a divine vision. Now, he knew exactly what to do. Emerging from the trees, Hercules charged towards the Hydra, taking off one of its six heads yet again. But this time, instead of continuing with his sword, he took out his bow and arrow, and with lightning speed, he sent a flaming arrow directly at the stump. After a brief blaze, the flames died down, and Hercules was relieved to see that this time, no head grew back. Now, the Hydra only had five heads, and Hercules knew how to defeat it. But then, Just when it seemed like victory was within his grasp, another creature appeared. As Hercules and the Hydra moved back towards the lake, something emerged from the water. A giant silver crab, like nothing Hercules had ever seen. It was the size of a boar, and its metallic shell and pincers glinted like armor. As the crab edged towards him, Hercules had to think quickly. Now he was battling two monsters at once, and this one, he suspected, had been sent by a god. The crab had appeared out of nowhere, 
just as he was on the verge of defeating the Hydra. It was a typical trick, he thought. Just the kind of thing Goddess Hera might do to make things difficult for him. But if that was the case, she had underestimated Hercules. He took a running jump towards the crab and landed on the shell, pressing down with all his superhuman strength until he heard a cracking sound. When he jumped down, he saw with satisfaction that a crack had appeared in the silver shell. The crab shuffled backwards into the lake and disappeared. With the crab gone, Hercules could focus on his real opponent, the Hydra. He continued as before, swinging his sword and shooting his arrows until there was only one head left. But the last head, the largest by far, proved difficult. Again and again, Hercules came at it with his sword, but it was like trying to cut a tree with a blunt axe. The Hydra hissed, taunting Hercules as it darted this way and that. Exhausted, Hercules retreated into the pines once more and collapsed onto the grass. He needed a moment to regain his breath and think of a new strategy. As he lay there on the grass, breathing deeply, he felt his heartbeat begin to calm. It was strange, he thought, to recover so quickly. Already he felt better, as though his energy was coming back, flowing through him. There was something special about these woods. And then, just as he was about to get up and return to battle, he became aware of a light, a golden glow somewhere to the side. Sitting up, Hercules turned to look, and there beside him, resting on the grass, was a golden sword. It was a majestic creation, glimmering from the hilt to the tip. And while most men would have struggled to even lift it, Hercules knew that in his hands the giant heavy sword could work wonders. There was only one explanation. The goddess Athena had heard his prayers and decided to help him. Grinning, Hercules got to his feet and picked up the sword. It felt reassuringly heavy and solid in his hands, and the carved hilt was spectacular, a work of art. But he could pause to admire it later. Now, he had a battle to win. 
with the sword in his hand, Hercules rushed out of the woods, back towards the lake and the hydra. And there, with a single swift blow, he cut right through the monster's neck. After one last flaming arrow, the battle was over. With a final burst of strength, Hercules pushed the Hydra's body back into the lake, where it sank into the green water. Once the surface had settled, it was just like before, calm and still. Without the monster's presence, Lake Lerner was transformed. All of a sudden, it felt like the most tranquil, peaceful place, especially in the golden light of late afternoon. Hercules removed the cloth from his face and took a deep breath. The air was fresh now, as the strange fumes from before had vanished. Somehow, the air even looked clearer. The trees on the other side were distinct, and the mountains had lost their haze. Before, they had looked so distant, like they belonged to another realm. But now, Hercules felt as though he could reach out and touch them. As he stood on the shore, he felt overcome by a sudden wave of exhaustion. Soon, he would return to Ianthe and find a place to sleep for the night. But first, he would take a rest right here, by the lake. There were no traces of the battle, and in his weariness, Hercules had almost forgotten it. The grass by the lakeside was soft and inviting. All he could think about was lying down, closing his eyes, and resting in the last rays of the sun. When Hercules woke back up, he saw the stars. The night sky was filled with thousands of pinpricks of light. He hadn't meant to fall asleep, just rest for a while. But it didn't matter. He was pleased to still be here, experiencing Lake Lerner by starlight. It was another place now like something from a dream. The water was black, with a silver sheen from the moonlight. The distant trees and mountains were visible only as silver-tipped outlines. And all was quiet and still. The only sounds Hercules could hear were the humming cicadas and his own breaths. In a calm, dreamy mood, Hercules took off his armor and stepped into the lake. 
It was safe now, inhabited only by the tiny fish that floated near the surface. Immersed in the warm water, Hercules felt as though he were lying in a hot bath. He remembered what the king had told him earlier that day, that some people said the waters of Lake Lerna were healing, while according to others, the lake was the entrance to the underworld. What if both were true? Hercules wondered. He let his mind drift as he soaked in the blissfully warm water, feeling the relaxation spread through his weary body. It felt so good, so soothing. Gazing up at the sky, Hercules traced the patterns in the stars. He knew these constellations well. After all, his father was the god of the sky. But as he looked up, imagining the lines between the stars, he realized that there were patterns he'd never seen before. He was sure he could make out the form of a crab. And in another part of the sky, the stars were like the curved body of a serpent. The crab and the hydra, two new constellations. After the battle, the gods had taken the bodies of the monsters and turned them into stars. Up there in the night sky, they would have a new life as a source of light and beauty. Hercules smiled. What a day it had been. And now, a night like this. Although he was still a long way from completing his tasks, he felt that he was already reaping the rewards.